Well, Thanksgiving's coming up here in just a few days, and so I wanted to talk with you a little bit today about Thanksgiving, not necessarily the day, because it isn't really about the day. It's about being thankful, about being, having a thankful heart. You know, uh, I remember several years ago, John Osteen uh, wrote a little book, and the title of the mini book is a mini book, and it said, you know, whatever happened to hope, or what about hope? And the point of it was that we talk about faith and we talk about love, but we don't often put a whole lot of emphasis on, uh, on hope. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about what about Thanksgiving, being thankful? You know, because uh, I really believe that Thanksgiving is, as the title says, is the, is the fuse that really sets off faith in our life. I really think, you know, it, 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 oftentimes I don't, I don't believe that, you know, our, our faith doesn't seem to be working. I don't think it's because we don't know enough because we, we know enough to make us dangerous. So we, we know enough. It's, I think oftentimes it's, it's, it's we, don't, we don't have a thankful heart. In other words, one of the things that Thanksgiving does is it really sets into motion that's, that which we, uh, that what we say we believe. And so I believe that Thanksgiving oftentimes in the Christian life is the missing ingredient. You know, we may pray, we may intercede, but you know, the Bible says with all of our prayers and supplicate supplications with thanksgiving. And so I believe that thanksgiving is so important. And one of the things in the day that we seem to be living in, uh, everybody has a, a tendency, it appears, to look towards the negative and not have a thankful heart. Uh, we, we, we look around and we see what we don't have rather than what we do have. We, can, we look around and we see what's not happening rather than what is happening in our life. And I just think it's so important for us to, to have a thankful heart that Thanksgiving isn't something that, that just once a year we get stuffed with turkey and we're thankful that our belly is full. But it, it, it's so much more than that. And so that's what I want to talk with you today about is, is having a a thankful heart because I really believe that the other part of the thankful heart is it's through that that we really honor God. When we're thankful for what he's accomplished, what he's done, what he's promised us, we really uh, begin to honor him. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Colossians, the second chapter, and we're going to read the sixth and the seventh verse there. <clears throat> It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you've received him, so walk in him. We just got done studying this on Wednesday evenings, but you know, as we've received, how do we receive him? Received him by faith. You know, again, you know, one of the things about faith is that there ought to be a heart of thanksgiving that's involved. I don't know about you, when I got saved, I was thankful. There was rejoicing that was going on. 
uh, in my heart, in my life, because of what Jesus has done for us. And, and, and so it says, as you therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So we ought to be walking in the same manner with a, with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart that is full of thanks for what he's done for us. Seventh verse, rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding in faith with thanksgiving. You know, um, when we see the promises in the Word of God, you know, we, we know what it says in, in Romans that, speaking of Abraham, that he called those things that be not as though they were. How, how do we do that? We do that out of an attitude of thanksgiving. It's not just simply focusing on what's not, but it's beginning to, uh, and we, we focus on what is, what he's uh, accomplished for us. Recognizing that it's by grace, it's through his promises, and so by faith we begin to demonstrate that we believe with an attitude or a heart of thanksgiving. We begin to be thankful for those things, even those things that we, we don't see yet. In Romans, the fourth chapter, in Romans, the fourth chapter, in the 16th verse, just made reference to the 17th chapter where it says, you know, that um, we call those things that do not exist or be not as though they do. Uh, but in the 16th verse it says, therefore it is a faith that, that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. In other words, the grace that's been made available to us, we appropriate it in our lives by faith, accepting and believing the promise that's been made to us. And whether or not we see the manifestation of it yet, we have a heart of thanksgiving because we know that God is not a man that he should lie. And because he's promised it to us, we know that we have it, even though we don't see the manifestation of it. You know what? <clears throat> anybody, anybody can believe what they can see. It doesn't take any great man of faith to believe something that they can already see with their physical eyes to see and believe something that they can already, they, they can touch. Where does faith comes in? Faith comes in when we don't see it yet. You know, Jerry Seville put it this way. He said, faith is from the amen to the there it is. And that span of time between the amen to the there it is, it might be a few minutes, might be instantaneous, or it might be weeks, months, heaven forbid, years. But that's the time that we stand. And, and you know what? 
That's the time where we need to really demonstrate thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that it, believe, that it belongs to me. I may not see it with my physical eyes, but I see it with my spiritual eyes, and I believe that it belongs to me right now in Jesus' name. And I rejoice when I see the manifestation of it, but Father, I rejoice right now because I know that it belongs to me in Jesus' name. See, that's what faith is. Faith is knowing is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. <clears throat> and so even though we don't see it yet, we begin to rejoice in it. I don't know about you. I rejoice that my name is written in heaven. I rejoice that when this life here on earth comes to an end. Whether it be that I, that I kick the can and die and Aaron has to stick me in the ground, or whether I'm raptured and I meet the Lord Jesus in the air. Either way, you know what, I'm out of here. And I know that I have a home in heaven. And I rejoice in that. I mean, every time I, I look around and I see the conditions in the world, I rejoice and I say, thank you, Lord, that I'm just an alien here. I'm not a citizen of, of earth. My citizenship is in heaven. And so I'm not controlled, I'm not dominated. I don't have to worry about the things around about me. People marching in the street, why? because they have no hope of the future. They have no hope of the future because their future is totally dependent upon what they expect to happen in this lifetime. I thank God that my future is not dependent upon what happens in this lifetime. My future is with Jesus in heaven. You know, in Philippians, Four, 19, you're all, excuse me, Philippians 4, 6, you're all familiar with the passage or you've heard it many, many times. Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. And you know, <clears throat> if you go back and you study that in the Greek, it's, it, it's a command. Think about this. If God commands us to do something is possible. Well, Pastor, I, I'm sorry, I guess, you know, I don't know, you know, we've just been a, we've just been a family of warriors. You know, I worry, my mother worried, my grandmother worried, you know, my great-grandmother worried, you know, we just, we just worry, you know, that's just, that's just part of our DNA, we just, we just worry, and so we can't help it. That's, that's just what we do. Then the Bible lied. And so, don't take any offense by this, but if I gotta choose between believing you and believing the Bible, I believe the Bible. So what that means is you don't have to worry. And so this anxious here, in the Greek, it's, it's, it's a command. And so he's able to command us not to be anxious, and that means it's possible. We don't have to worry. 
And so when worry tries to rise up and take control and dominate you, you need to just say, no, I don't have to worry. You know, we started Colossians, the third chapter Wednesday night, and it talks about how we're dead. And so when worry starts to rise up in your life, you need to just look at it and say, no, I'm dead to that. I'm alive to the things of God. I'm, I'm alive to trusting and, and putting my confidence in Him. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, no exception, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And so you know what that means? That means that when you pray for something, you're immediately to begin to thank Him for it. You know, <clears throat> our prayers are supposed to be based on the Word of God. Amen? And that's why we know that the answer to every one of our prayers is yes and amen. How do we know that? Because we pray in line with God's word. And so when we pray in line with God's word, after we pray before we see anything, we begin to give him thanks. We begin to thank him, Father, I thank you that you know, even though there are symptoms in my body, it does not move me because by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. Father, even though the conditions in my life right now are not what they ought to be, what they need to be, I pray and I receive your abundant blessing in my life. And so I thank you for it, Father, right now in Jesus' name. Before I see the manifestation of any of it, I thank you because I know, Father, you are true to your word. You will never fail me. You'll never forsake me. You'll never let me down because you are a faithful God <clears throat> that's true to your word. I, I better be careful here. I might just get happy. You know, why, 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 is, why is the world so sad? Why are so many Christians down in the mouth? Because they're not thankful. They look at everything that they're not thankful for and they focus on that and they lose sight of what Jesus has done for them in their life. Finally, brethren, well, I skipped the verse. Let me start in verse six again. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, isn't, isn't it interesting how this works? The world thinks we're wacko. Because we, we, we pray about things and we, we, we thank God for things and we can't even see it yet. But what happens is when we begin to do that because our, our focus is on God, how do, we, how do we get peace in our life? You know, in just a little over a month we're going to be celebrating Christmas. And you know, the uniqueness of Christmas is that peace has come. The angels 
uh, uh, angel, Lord, uh, they blew the, they, they come out and they declare the birth of Jesus and they say, peace has come. And so what we see, we have this and we send delegates overseas to, to make peace with nations and we think, well, we're going to have peace then. Now let me tell you something. Peace has come. And peace isn't a condition. Peace is a person. If you want peace in your life, peace comes through Jesus. And that's why when, we, when, we be, when we're not anxious for anything, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and it says then peace comes. Why does peace come? Because with our thanksgiving, we're focusing our attention on our Savior. We're focusing our attention on our Lord. We're focusing our attention on Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, peace comes. Because He is peace. And you know what? It surpasses our ability to understand. And the world looks at us. And the world says, I don't understand you. You should be mad, you should be worried, you should be upset. But instead we have peace. When we don't have that, the world looks at us and they say they're just like us. Why? Because we're looking at the same stuff they're looking at. But when we begin to look to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, everything begins to look differently because he's different. Let's just read on a little bit. Finally, my brethren, because you see, you know, I was just going to read the sixth verse, but how can you read just the sixth verse? Because the context of it all gives us the reason and the why that he tells us in all of our prayers and supplications with thanksgiving, that that's how we make our requests known to God. For it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, thy word is truth, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything uh, praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Well, what we don't realize is oftentimes we're meditating on everything else. The word, you know, if you, if you study meditation here, it doesn't mean sitting in a corner some way, putting your, your ankles behind your head and Going, hmm. You know, it's, it, I, I don't know. Why would you want to put your ankles behind your head anyway? You know, I've got grandkids that can do that, but I think, why? I mean, it's, this is flat out too painful. Well, it isn't even painful. You know, I, I know we can do all things, but let me tell you something. That's one thing. At the age of 68, you can't do anymore. At least this boy can't. But, but the, the thing about it is he says to meditate. On these, what does it mean to meditate? One of the definitions of meditate is to mutter. And what it's telling us is we go around muttering 
about the wrong stuff. We mutter about the boss, we mutter about the government, we mutter about the taxes, we mutter about you know, this, that, and the other thing. We mutter, 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 but we mutter about the wrong things. We need to go around muttering about the Word of God, chewing on the Word of God, thinking on the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. And he says that when we do that, we're going to be thinking on that which is good, that was true, that which is acceptable, that which has virtue. And he says, the things which you learn and receive and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, if we do these things, the God of peace will be with us. It's not just a, well, let me put it this way. We need to select, we need to determine what we're going to think on and not allow the conditions and everything around us to make that determination. And so we need to think on those things which are good and true and be thankful for what God has promised us in his word. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified. And it says, for all these things are taking place for your sake, so that the more, so that the more the grace, divine favor, and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multitudes through the many, the more the thanksgiving, uh, may, thanksgiving may increase to the glory of God. See, the, the more grace, we ought to have the more thanksgiving. And how do we receive the grace? By faith, believing what God has promised us in his word. First Chronicles 16, 34, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You need a reason to be thankful? Right here it is. We sang that song. I mean, we haven't, we haven't sung that for eons. And, uh, uh, but God is so good. I mean, that ought to just resonate in our mind and in our heart and our spirit. God is so good. Here it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why, why do we give thanks to God? Because he's good. A lot of us has been, have been convinced through man that God isn't good. Let me tell you something. We serve a good God. Everybody say, he's good. He's really good. He's a good God. He has nothing but good for you and me. And so if we can't find anything else to be thankful about, let's be thankful that we serve a good God. Isn't that wonderful? Christianity is the only religion where the followers don't have to live a life of fear. Every other religion, they live a life of fear because they've got to earn favor of their God. 
small g. They've got to earn his favor. And you know what? <clears throat> Even in Christendom sometimes, people have this idea that we've got, to be, we've got to be good enough to deserve God's love. How do we know when we've been good enough? There's only one way for you to know that you've been good enough. It's to be perfect. And the problem with that is every one of us in this room, it's too late. God is good. And his mercies endure forever. You know what that means? Now, hang on, it's really deep. You know what that means? There's no end. There's no end of his mercy. That's why we can wake up every day and his mercies are fresh. His mercies are new. I don't have to depend on yesterday's mercy. I've got mercy today for every circumstance in my life. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercies endure forever. The voice of joy and gladness ought to be part of our lives. Ought to be constantly flowing out of our lives. You know, out of the, out of the mouths of babes. I mean, you look at these videos sometimes of a little child, they're in the back seat of the car and Mom's driving down the road, and I don't know, how, how, how do you moms video your children in the back seat while you're driving down the road? Actually, I don't want to know how you're videoing your children while you're driving down the road. But you see these videos, these little kids in the back, back of the seat, and all of a sudden, there's this worship song on, and out of their heart, you know, they, they lift their hands in the air, and they, they begin to give praise and adoration to God. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> that isn't based on a physical knowledge that this little child is sitting back there watching their mommy drive down the road and thinking, I am so blessed because my mom knows how to drive the car and, and we have this nice vehicle and my mom is always good to me and, and oh, I'm just so, I'm just, no, there's something that's flowing out of that little critter's heart. It's, it's a love and adoration for God, for who God is. And you know what? That's, what? that's all we need to know. We need to know that God is good, that God loves us, that His mercies endure forever. And what happens? That leads us to praise, it leads us to worship, leads us to recognize everything that He's done for us. In Jeremiah 33, 11, I want to read this out of the Amplified as well, and it says, There shall be heard again. And here it's talking about the children of Israel and they've, uh, they, they've they, battles and so forth that they've encountered. And he says to them, <clears throat> There shall be heard again the voice of joy and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice who sing as they bring sacrifice of thanksgiving into the house of the Lord. 
Give praise and thanks to the Lord of hosts. For God is good, for his mercy and his kindness and his steadfast love endure forever. For I will cause the captive of the land to be reversed and return <clears throat> and, and return to be as it was at first. I will return the captive. You ever feel like you lost that initial joy of your salvation? You ever feel like the circumstances around you have become overwhelming to the point that, you know, you don't know if you can ever truly get back to that place where you once were? Well, you can, and you're there. But how do we get there? Through thanksgiving. He says it's gonna be heard in the land again. You know what? That voice needs to be heard in your house again. That voice needs to be heard in your car again. Pastor Dave, what do you mean by heard in your car again? Don't you remember when you were first saved and you know, <clears throat> you know, the, you know, for us. Don't listen to secular music because it'll warp your brain. You know, and so we, we had to have, you, you heard that, didn't you, Lauren? She's, she's preached that one to you, I can tell. <clears throat> you know, but, you know, so we, we, didn't, we didn't dare, so we, we had our, our worship tapes in the car and everything, and we'd be driving down the road, and, you know, you'd be, you know, the, the voice of praise was in our cars because, you know, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't listen to that secular stuff because, you know, it would, it would do something to you. And... Uh, and of course, law does what lies does. It produces rebellion because, you know, my, my, my kids, you know, we bought them stuff so they didn't have to listen to that stuff on the radio. But, you know, <clears throat> they didn't have enough sense to realize that when I got in the car, if the car is on the channel that's playing all of the music that the young people like, I might be able to figure out that they had turned it on that channel. <laughs> so anyway, that part of it didn't work. But you know what? We need to return to not being legalistic, but we need to return to having the voice of praise in every place that we go. It needs to be flowing out of our mouth. It ought to be it ought not to be an effort. It ought to flow. You know, the stuff that comes out of our mouth, I, you know, when I first got saved, I had to reprogram my mouth because there were certain words that were unacceptable that would just flow out of my mouth because it was so much a part of my life. I had to reprogram my thinking as a man thinks. And so I had to get to the place to where that wasn't what came out of my mouth. What came out of my mouth was words of praise. I consider it the, the hammer syndrome. You can tell what's inside when you accidentally hit your thumb with a hammer. 
because it hurts so much, you don't have time to think about what should I say now, what should I say now. No, it just, it just flows. And so when you hit your thumb with a hammer and it's, oh Jesus, you know you've made progress. <laughs> Amen. I mean, there was, a, there was a period of time where it was just void. You know, it was just. <laughs> needs a flow. We need to have a heart of thanksgiving. And how do we get a heart of thanksgiving? It's by thinking on, it's by dwelling on the things that God has said. Let's, let's let it back into our house. Let's once again have a, a house full of thanksgiving. Let's have a life that's full of thanksgiving because I'll guarantee you something. It'll affect our environment. It'll affect those around us. In Romans 1.21, it says, Because when they knew and recognized him as the God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks, but instead they became futile and godless in their thinking. You know, there's something about allowing those words of thanksgiving to continually come out of our mouth. It sets a pattern for our life. Notice, it, it affects our thinking. But when our thinking is constantly on the negative, our thinking will lead us in the direction of the negative. Because notice what it says here. They became futile and godless in their thinking. Why? Because they lost an attitude of thanksgiving. There is victory in our lives in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is lighting that fuse of faith that we know, that we know, that we know that God is going to continue to be faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Thank God in everything. No matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and meditator uh, of that will. Be thankful in everything. I want to I emphasize something here, what it does not say. It does not say, be thankful for everything. You know, early on, there were, there were books that were written on praise and so forth. And uh, one of the teachings out of it that came out of it was that we were to thank God for everything. No matter what's taking place in your life, you need to thank God for it. You know, if you had a car wreck, thank God for the car wreck. I mean, that's, that's ignorance gone to seed and producing a harvest. But, you know, we wanted to... We wanted to do the right thing, and so, you know, that's what we were being taught. But notice what it says here. It says, be thankful in every situation. Why can we be thankful in every situation in life? Because we know that God 
is our deliverer. We know that every circumstance, every situation in our life is subject to change when we put our trust in our Lord and Savior. So in the midst of every circumstance, in the midst of every situation, we can be thankful to God because we know that, Father, in spite of the circumstances, you're my healer. In spite of what the checkbook says, you're my provider. In spite of the, 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 the threats and the bondage that's coming against me, you're my deliverer. I can trust you, and I do trust you in every situation. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the 20th verse. Ephesians 5.20. And here it's the same thought. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, then it goes on to say, be submitted to one another in the fear of the Lord. And the only way we can do that is by putting our trust in Him. But it says, be thankful. This is a point I want us to get a hold of this morning. Let's be thankful. Let's not just be, be, be thankful on Thursday. But let's not just be thankful on Thanksgiving. Let's be thankful every day. Let's be thankful for what God has done and what he is doing in our lives. Let's back up to, in, still in Ephesians 5, but verses um, 3 and 4. And he says, For fornication and all uh, uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among us as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather. You know, God doesn't ever take anything from us without giving something to replace it. What he replaces it with is always better. And so he says, not even let it be named among us, coarse jesting, filthiness, in other words, speaking things that are unclean. But he said instead, let's be filled with thanksgiving. You know where we used to curse? Let's bless. Let's be thankful. The Bible says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. He says, this ought not to be. And how can that not be when we fill our mouth with thanksgiving? When we focus on things to be thankful for and how good God is in our lives. Just a couple more passages. In Colossians, the third chapter. You know, the Bible says a lot about thanksgiving and being thankful. In Colossians 3.15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your heart. What, what controls your heart? What rules your life? Is it the circumstances or is it the, is it the conditions? Or is it, is it the peace of God? Is it the assurance 
then no matter what the situation is, no matter what the conditions are, I can trust God completely. But let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Notice, it always, it always brings us back to, to the context of being thankful. We need to be thankful. We need to have a heart of thanksgiving. Psalms, uh, if you're going to talk about thanksgiving, we always got to end up with a couple of psalms. And in Psalms 100, verse 4, It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know what? This is just me. But the last part of that verse, I think it's impossible to do the latter part without doing the first part. I think it's impossible to bless his name without having a thankful heart. Let me read that again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. What would that be talking about? That would be talking about entering into his presence. Now we're always in his presence, but sensing and recognizing his presence Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Well, pastor, there's a lot that's occurred in my life that I can't be thankful for. Well, then start by being thankful to him. Be thankful that you're saved. Be thankful that you're set free. Be thankful that your past no longer has a hold on you. Be thankful that you have a home in heaven. Be thankful for what Jesus has done in you. But you know what? It requires that we stop a moment. I think it was a couple weeks ago. I don't remember if it was on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. I, I, I talked about how Hilton Sutton, I heard him sharing one time and well, maybe it was when he was here and he was talking. But he said that every day he has an hour that he sets aside. <clears throat> and, of course, it was made easier because he, he told me about his, uh, his desk chair, that it's a recliner. <laughs> so I guess that's what I, I probably need, a desk chair that's a recliner. You know, but, but anyway, but he said, I spend a hour every day, um, no phone calls, no nothing. I spend an hour and I just think. Maybe you can't figure an hour out, an hour. But you know what? You need to have 15 minutes. You need to have 20 minutes, at least five, where you don't allow anything to disturb you. And you just sit back and you just think 
about how good God is. I'll tell you what it'll produce. It'll produce a thankful heart. And the five minutes won't be enough. And the 10 minutes won't be enough. And the 15 minutes won't be enough. And the 20 minutes won't be enough. Because you begin to remember, you begin to think about how good God is. Remember the story of David when he defeated Goliath? And we think, oh wow, what a man of faith. To be able to go out there in those conditions and defeat this giant that ever, the, the armies of Israel were fearful of him and they ran from him and they hid from him every time he'd come out and mock God. But here's David. David went out there, this great man of faith, and defeated Goliath. But I want you to think about the words that David spoke as he charged Goliath. And the words that came out of his mouth was, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. What is this uncircumcised Philistine to me? But he wasn't taking credit for himself that he had done it. He had recognized that it was God who had empowered him to kill the lion and kill the bear and he's going to take care of this Philistine. How do we have great feats of faith? It's by lighting the fuse of faith with thanksgiving. By recalling and remembering and meditating on the great things that God has done and performed in our lives. And every one of us in this room, you may look at it, you may think, well, that's not that spectacular. My life hasn't been that spectacular. Are you saved? then you have something to dwell on, to think on, to meditate on, to grow on, so that we can defeat the giants that would rise up in our own lives. In Psalms 95, verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and the great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the God, our maker, for he is God. What other motivation do we need to sing praise to our God, other than to recognize the fact that He is God. Let's have a thankful heart. Are we believing God? Let's continue to believe Him. But let's, let's light the fuse. 
Let's recognize through thanksgiving. We see that fuse of faith lit, 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 lighted on fire so that he can do what he wants to do in each of our lives. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word that it's living. It's powerful. And Father, we're so grateful today. First of all, we're so thankful that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that Jesus is seated at your right hand. And one day, experientially, we'll be seated with him. And Father, we're so grateful for everything that was purchased for us through the stripes and through the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray that we will never, never take for granted what's been accomplished for each and every one of us. And so, Father, as we celebrate and as we go through this Thanksgiving season, Father, we, may we never forget the real reason we're thankful is because of your great love which with, with which you demonstrated to us through Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. And we give you all the glory and all the honor because you're worthy of it. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done in our lives. But, Father, we thank you, we worship you, we bless you because of who you are, our God, our Lord, our Savior. And so, Father, may we continually demonstrate that thankfulness in the words that come out of our mouth, that those around us might see that we have a peace that surpasses not only our ability to understand, but theirs. And that we might witness to others of your love and your goodness. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, his strength, and his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus, amen. Give somebody a hug and let them know you love and are thankful for them. In Jesus' name.